Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning! It's time to wake up. It's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show, your early morning shot of sports on 95.7 The Game. Come on! I'm not even going to try to do the intro. <laughs> I'm not even going to try to do the intro, and I know if Fonte Hill comes in, he's probably going to call me out for it, but... My voice is a little bit gone still. I'm hoping it'll be back to back to normal by tomorrow, but that was why I was taking the day off yesterday. And good morning, everyone. Steven Lankford in with you on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game leading up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. We got a lot to get into today. And I do want to talk about that Giants loss to the Dodgers as they fall 3-2 to two to their National League West division rivals. Hell, their own rivals in themselves going all the way back to New York. And that one last night was tough. It was tough for a variety of reasons. One, starting out the game with Mookie Betts and Max Muncy, both with back-to-back home runs. I I can take a Mookie Betts home run, a solo shot. I'm good with that. I, I I really like Mookie. I thought he was I think he's been an excellent player in the sport. I think he's good for the sport. It just so happens that he's on the Dodgers. But I hated when Max Muncie hit that one back to back. Hated it. I mean I mean this dude, what, has six home runs against the Giants so far this season? This guy continues to rake. And right now, On my list of Dodgers whom I do not like, number one is Max Muncy, and then number two is Trevor Bauer. Uh, Even though I loved Trevor Bauer beforehand, but then when he joined the Dodgers, I'm just like, all right, this dude is getting paid that much money to join a team, and I don't even know if he's actually a Dodger, but he is playing into that role. And what I mean by... Is he actually a Dodger? Is he one of those guys who's going to be a Dodger lifer? Who's going to be there for multiple seasons? I know Mookie Betts is going to be there for a while. Justin Turner's been there forever. Cody Bellinger's been there forever. Those kind of guys is what I'm talking about. But Trevor Bauer's still number two on my list. And last night, in this one, I, I do want to get to what happened in the top of the ninth. And triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. I just have a straight up easy question for you. If you're a Giants fan and you were watching that game last night, and you just so happen to be up at five in the morning, even though that game didn't uh, end till past ten, but I want to know from you if you are a Giants fan this morning, what'd you think of that call with Mike Talkman? Was he safe? Or was he out? Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. Was Talkman safe or was Talkman out? And if you don't know the details on that, I'll get to them in just a second. But here's where to me, uh, just the game was lost, and this was something that really we haven't seen too much of with the Giants this season. And I don't know. Where I can find this stat, if you if I could find this one, I, I I would love to. But if I could find a left on base per game stat for each team, 
where I could figure out how many guys they leave on base per game and leave in runners in scoring position because that's normally something you go to after a game in a box score. And really, this entire season, I haven't really looked so much at the runners left in scoring position because the Giants are winning so many ball games, but I can't imagine that they've had too many where they've gone 0 for 13 where they've had runners in scoring position. Wade, Lamont Wade, he had a good game yesterday. He was 2 for 4. He had an RBI because he came off that because uh, uh, coming off that home run in the third inning off of Bauer, but he was left on base three times in scoring position with two outs. Crawford, twice. That happened with him. Look, I just think that this one yesterday kind of proved that the sticky stuff that Trevor Bauer's always talking about, sure, it might make a difference as far as just the location and the spin rate because his spin rate is down farther than anybody else's. The decrease on his spin rate numbers are astronomical compared to anyone else. But one thing that does get lost in all of it is he still has nasty stuff. <laughs> like, like those are those are just facts. Even if he's not using the sticky substance, whatever he used, the spider tack. Actually, if you hear him talk about it, he's like the most, he, he he's the most well-educated guy on sticky substances that I've seen. Like He will go into detail about how this stuff makes a difference. And it's just like, wow, you're really going deep into how uh, you're cheating. But... <laughs> But still, nevertheless, he was able to get out of every inning in which he got in trouble. And then coming in, in relief, Blake Trinan, as well as Gonzalez. But Blake Trinan was the guy that I was looking at last night. And I'm just like, this dude has some nasty pitches. Nasty pitches. Even if the sticky stuff is gone, that slider that he was working with last night... It looked like it was damn near unhittable. It was that good. And when he's gone up against a right-handed batter, Blake Trinan must be using that slot. He must utilize that slider constantly because I don't know how anyone would be able to catch up to that when it's going 90-plus mile miles an hour away from you at the plate. But overall, I just thought last night was just a relatively clean game. You know, there wasn't much in that, look, the Giants just didn't get out of any innings. You know, I did think they saved a a, a couple of runs from the Dodgers. I did think there were a couple of nice plays that were made in the outfield that ended up uh, uh, saving them a couple of runs and, you know, keeping them in the game, at least keeping them within one run and giving them a chance in the top of the ninth when Kenley Jansen came in. But they were just getting runners on base constantly and just not knocking them in. That's something that's going to happen. That's you know that's it's baseball. It's not every night you're going to be scoring RBIs every time. So the fact that they were 0 for 13 with runners in scoring position, well, you know what? That at least gives me a little optimism that they even had 13 runners in scoring position in the first place. They just couldn't close it out. Game two tonight. Then they got a four game set against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Love to split the series in LA, but also. With these four games coming up against the Diamondbacks, I think you can expect to win at least three out of four. But the top of the ninth is where we really pay attention. And Mike Talkman leads off the inning, hits one to left field, uh, left center actually, it was beyond shortstop. But Cody Bellinger was playing in the outfield, and the ball was hit. It was just a little, bo- a little blooper, a little doinker out to left center. And it had so much spin on it that it went away from Cody Bellinger as he's making his angle toward the ball. Strange bounce. And then it just stops in its tracks. And Mike Talkman, in my head, if he knew that it would have stopped where it did, I don't think he would have ran a second. I actually think he assumed that the ball had gone past Bellinger. But instead, it was more... Uh, it, it was more perpendicular to him, so all he could do is just run straight to the ball and then throw him out at second. But it looked like he was safe. Here's the play that we're talking about here to lead off the top of the ninth inning. Left center field. Base hit, and it goes by 
or does it? He's going to try for second. The throw in, and he's out. Well, it got by, but it, it kind of stuck out there. It didn't go shooting by Bellinger. It hit the grass and just kind of died. Bellinger's got a great arm. It did look like he got tagged in the chest, by which time his hand was on the bag. That's what I thought. Here's the call from New York. He's out. So they replayed the call. Credit to NBC Sports Bay Area and John Miller on the call. Had to cut that up a little bit because this entire sequence took about four minutes in order to to call him out uh, at one point. But when he was when he slid into the bag and somehow got under the tag, I was so confused as to how the replay center got it wrong. How these guys in New York got it wrong. Because to me, I'm so tired of the whole, well, there's not enough to overturn it, when there clearly is. And by the way, this does not help when you got Angel Hernandez, who's back there, who, granted, I I mean, I can't even name, I can name you off the top of my head, two pitches where they were clearly not a strikeout. The one on Posey early on in the game, where Bauer threw the slider that was like six inches off the plate. And then I believe it was Lamont Wade who struck out on a uh, looking at a high fastball when it really was not anywhere near the zone. And by the way, something I'm going to be doing today is I'm going to turn on my notifications on Twitter for Umpire Scorecards. Umpire Scorecards is a Twitter page where the next morning they will post a little graph of how each umpire did. So they go with overall accuracy, overall consistency, overall favor. So they, you know, they do a bunch of math and they create these little numbers what show how the umpire's doing. And Angel Hernandez behind the plate just did not look good. I mean, it was 11 11 pitches into that game. I'm just like, "Oh my god." Angel Hernandez, wow, why don't you just change? Why don't you actually call strikes? But I'm going to turn on the umpire scorecards notification, and normally they come out the next morning. So I am going to look up this scorecard as soon as it gets sent to my phone, just so we know how Angel Hernandez actually did. But this call, they got it wrong. That's just it. They got it wrong, and they blew the chance at the Giants even trying to make a comeback. Now, granted, you could go back to the eighth inning and say, hey, look, you got two runners on with no outs. How about you, you know, actually get a hit in that situation? Now, granted, uh, you were in a spot where you had to bring in a pinch hitter, and you'd already gone through Darren Ruff, uh, who pinch hit for DeSclafani when he came in. And then Kurt Casale was the only guy because he had Mike Talkman who was filling in for Mike Yastrzemski in the first place. So Kurt Casale was the only dude you could go with in the eighth. And somehow, even with runners on second and third, they didn't manage to get anyone home. But the umpire got it wrong in the top of the ninth. And Gabe Kapler, after the game, he's never absolute about what he has to say uh, after the game. He's normally very reserved, doesn't normally call out the umpires, but here's what Gabe Kapler had to say with that play with Talkman. I wasn't sure when we were in the dugout, to be honest with you, because I didn't have a chance to look at it from uh, several different angles like I did after the game. Um, After the game, I thought we made the correct call to challenge it, and I thought he was safe. So that's it. (laughs) That was the end of his clip. He just said, hey, I thought he was safe, and I agree with him. I don't know how they get these wrong. Then George Contos was on the Giants postgame live on NBC Sports. Here's what he had to say about replays and umpiring. Replay's a little dicey now, nowadays because, um, you know, the, the whole point of it is you want to get the call right. And I think that what, what the whole point of it is to get conclusive evidence. And where I was sitting and all the replay angles that we saw, Alex, it looked like Talkman's hand got in there and then it looked like his left knee got down before the tag was reapplied on him um you know umpires are gonna look out for umpires though and nobody wants to look bad uh, on the on the call so you see a lot of the guys protecting each other out there (laughs) i mean in my opinion this looks way worse if the guys in new york are getting it wrong as opposed to the umpires on the field i can deal with that i could deal with an umpire getting a call wrong on the field i had a moment where I was a volunteer umpire. This was the only time I umpired ever in my life. I was 13 years old, and I was umpiring a majors game. So they were, what, 11, 12? 
and I might have been 14. And I was the first base guy. The runner, bunt, or the, uh, the hitter, bunts and runs inside the first baseline. And the catcher tries to throw him out at first, but he ends up hitting him in the back. Now the call is out because he's running inside the baseline. But I didn't notice that in real time. Called him safe. We had a little review. And then the home plate umpire is like, Steven, you're young. This is your first game. You got that call wrong completely. And I was never forgiven for it. And rightfully so. Because that was clearly an obvious call. This one at second in the top of the ninth was not obvious. It was it was a bang-bang play. I would have been okay if that umpire would have got it wrong. I just need the people in New York to get it right. I really do. <laughs> George Contos also continued and said that Angel Hernandez is the reason why robot umpires are going to exist. <laughs> True. True. The umpire scorecard. I'm telling you, on Twitter, it's going to be on my notifications as soon as it pops up. If it pops up during this show, I'm only I'm only got till six o'clock. There's only so much time. But if it pops up, I will give you the numbers as to how Angel Hernandez did. And if you don't trust these numbers, then find some other ones for me because these are all I got. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. That's the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in on anything today. But there were a bunch of crazy things that happened in the world of sports yesterday. Going to stray away a little bit from the Bay Area as we move to the UEFA Euros as France and Switzerland had an insane matchup that I do want to talk about. Plus, Kyle Schwarber is doing things that Perry Bonds and Sammy Sosa were doing. And then Paul George going off against the Suns and Ty Lue and DeMarcus Cousins coming to his steed, helping him, trying to convince the people and not understand, try to convince them that they don't understand why he gets the criticism that he gets. We'll get to all that. Steve Lakeford did on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. What a day in sports yesterday. What a day in sports. I mean, there's a lot that we can unpack from yesterday. And a little later on in the program, there was a trade proposal that was misconstrued as a report, so naturally everyone was going crazy over it. It involved... The Golden State Warriors, James Wiseman, and that number seven pick. I'm sure you've already heard about that trade proposal, but I do want to talk about that uh, coming up in the final half hour of the show. But yesterday, there were a couple of crazy things to happen in the world of sports that I do want to get to. Um, I, I just want to mention this, though. This was one guy who was on the uh, on the Cubs 
in Kyle Schwarber, who, quite frankly, I didn't really like too much. <laughs> you know, always came off as kind of that broy guy, the uh, the 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 dude who's just incredibly cocky because he can hit the ball really far and he's a you know he's a power hitter. Whatever he was, whatever whatever thoughts I had that were going through my mind when he was with the Cubs at the time, but in the month of June, he has 15 home runs, which is the most in any month in Nationals team history. Now, granted, the Nationals are a very young team, so you may be thinking, "Oh, in Nationals team history, well, what does that really tell you?" Not not much because they haven't had uh, that many power hitters, unless you, of course, go back to Montreal. But they're talking about the Nationals specifically. But this stretch, he's joined Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa as the only players to hit 15 home runs in a 17-game stretch. And he hit two yesterday. One of them, he just stared at it. Like, I don't even think he understands what he's doing right now or how he's doing it. But the fact that he's doing the same type of numbers as Barry Bonds in 2001 and Sammy Sosa in 1998, those are some of the craziest home run seasons that we've ever seen. The craziest home run seasons that we've ever seen. And Kyle Schwarber has been on the same track this year. Now, granted, I don't know if he's going to keep it up, but 15 home runs in a 17-game stretch... Man, that's impressive. 15 home runs in the month of June. So, so you know what? Shout out to you, Kyle Schwarber. Shout out to you getting it done with the Nationals. But something else happened yesterday. And this is in the world of soccer. Now, I hope everyone has been enjoying the UEFA Euros. Um, I'm glad that it's actually here and that we've been getting um, a dose of it. But we have been seeing some guys go down. We saw Belgium uh, beat Portugal. Thought Spain was going to go down yesterday, but then they ended up pulling away 5-3 in extra time. But the game after that was France versus Switzerland. Now, here's a little background. This is pretty cool. France were the favorites in this game. They got these three guys. They got Antoine Griezmann. They got Karim Benzema, who had two goals in the game yesterday. Beautiful goals. And then they got Kylian Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe is a star. Plays for Paris Saint-Germain. Really made his, really made a name for himself, uh, uh, at least in America, when the World Cup was, uh, was playing in 2018. And everyone's like, oh, who's this dude from France if they don't pay attention to club football? Now all of a sudden they started you know, using PSG on FIFA and everything. But he's 22 years old. He is their star. And this game was crazy because Switzerland went up one nothing, and then in the second half, France went up 2-1, and they did it within a span of 90 seconds. And that was Kareem Benzema doing it. 2-1. And then a guy whose name I didn't even mention yet was Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba ended up scoring in the 75th minute, making it 3-1. to one. Now, if you don't pay attention to soccer, soccer games last 90 minutes, so they're down 3-1. to one. And then in the 81st minute, Switzerland scores, puts it at 3-2, and then in the 90th minute, essentially in the last possible moment before stoppage time and everything, I think they had five minutes left over of stoppage time in that game, but... They scored, tied up the game, it goes to extra time, and if you don't know, extra time is essentially two halves, two 15-minute halves, and nobody scored. So it goes to penalty kicks, and after 120 minutes of play, it's still tied 3-3, they go to penalty kicks, and every single guy had made a shot so far for both France and for Switzerland. And then... The one young player, the 22-year-old Kylian Mbappe, who's a big reason as to why they're even in the position that they're in. This happens when he steps up to the ball right before the goal. It's Mbappe to keep France in the tournament. And Mbappe's the one to falter. He's the fall guy. The walls of the French castle... 
are crumbling down. Now, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be the guy who's just going to go off on Kylian Mbappe, say he's overrated, blah, blah, blah. You see a lot of that already in the soccer world enough. But my whole point of telling this story is to validate why I say anytime the radio conversation comes up, well, what's the most exciting uh, game seven in sports? You know, we always look at the Stanley Cup final, the World Series, the NBA finals, whatever it is. But in my opinion, I always go off the beaten path. In my opinion, and I'm not even looking at the final game either. I'm looking at games in the knockout stage. But these games in the knockout stage, if you're a fan of these teams, the excruciatingly slow pace of play in soccer, the fact that it just goes straight for 90 minutes and, you know, there aren't that many goals scored in a game, not as much as, say, you know, basketball where points are constantly being scored on each end and you don't know who's going to come out on top. But with this type of game, when you go up 3-1, in the 75th minute, you got 15 minutes left. I would love to have been in a household where there's a family full of Switzerland fans in the final 15 minutes. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You're watching, thinking you're going to lose. Then one goal is scored. <laughs> we still got nine more minutes left, people. We got one more to get back in this. The slow environment everything that surrounds soccer to me that's why it's the most exciting because you don't know what's gonna happen and it's just moving so slow that you just you don't know what to expect and then when it gets to penalty kicks and five guys from switzerland make it four from France already have, and your star player, Kylian Mbappe, is going up to the goal. He's your final guy that you got to rely on, and he misses? This is one of the most historic, one of the more historic games in soccer. This is ones that, this is the one that we're going to look back on and say, remember when Switzerland upset France? Remember when Mbappe missed that penalty kick? Like, there's nothing like it in sports, and the heartbreak the heartbreak, the messages that Mbappe has to send out, telling fans how sorry he is, blah, blah, blah. And soccer fans are brutal. They, they really are. If you look on social media, every other comment is about whether Ronaldo is better or Messi is better. It doesn't even matter what they're posting about. And, and then when they get to this point, it's going to be Mbappe overrated. All, all these different things. And I'm not going to go in on Mbappe, but... I just want to say, if you get a chance to check out the highlights, they always post a 10, 11-minute video on YouTube uh, of every highlight package. I recommend you check it out because it was insane. Highly recommend it. All right. Coming up next, 888-957-9570. That is the text line and the phone number. I do want to get into these uh, comments from Ty Lu and DeMarcus Cousins of the Clippers talking about Paul George, but also... This trade proposal that wasn't reported, in my opinion, it was just thrown out in the notes of an article, but I want to know if you would accept that trade proposal. What is that proposal? Well, you'll find out all of that next. 888-957-9570. That's the text line and the phone number. Stephen Lankford in on the pregame show, 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. We still believe. It's coming home. That's my biggest takeaway after France lost to Switzerland yesterday. As an England fan, it's coming home. Oh, they're gonna disappoint me so bad at when they face Germany today. Oh, I've been I've been through this too many times. You know, where where there's just there's a there's a there's a game that England is supposed to win, and then they end up not doing it. Now they're not technically supposed to beat Germany. I don't even know who's the underdog in this game. I'll have to look it up. But man, England have just been so disappointing. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna happen today, though. We got England. We got England. We got Germany. Very excited for that. Good morning, everyone. Stephen Lankford in with you. 
up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. And I'm sorry that I'm indulging in the soccer right now. But, hey, when you're in the knockout stages, when you're in the round of 16 within the Euros, it's so exciting. I love it. I'm also going to have a heart attack by the time this game's over. Uh, From the 707, if you're talking about the Dame thing, absolutely would give anything besides Stephen Clay for that man. One of the most electric players in the NBA and a Bay native. Let's go. And no, I'm not actually talking about Dame Lillard. The trade proposal that I am talking about involves a certain other player. And I'll get to that uh, in about seven minutes at 545. But I do want to talk about what happened in this game yesterday with the Suns and the Clippers. And 888-957-9570, that's the text line and the phone number. The Clippers won 116-102. to 102. It was Game 5. They were in Phoenix. They had, you know, the Valley Court, the Valley jerseys, all that sort of stuff, the City Edition stuff. And quite frankly, it was a terrible game for the Suns. They did not play well. Um, It just didn't seem like they could knock down any shots. Jay Crowder wasn't giving you those complimentary threes that always seem to knock down whenever he's going against your favorite team. And overall, they shot 34% from three because Devin Booker ended up going four for six and Cam Johnson was three for three. But other than that, none of these other guys were that great from three. And Chris Paul was eight for 19 overall with 22 points scored. Now, Uh, In this game, by the way, speaking of which, the flopping thing, I mean, it's just so apparent. Although, I I will say this, that's some flopping dedication. And I'm sorry, my voice is a little bit out. Hopefully you can stick around. I'm sure uh, you're in in your car right now and you're like, I'll listen to someone who actually has their entire voice. But just stick with me. We got 20 minutes left. Uh, But this flopping thing with Chris Paul, where Patrick Beverly... Uh, is uh, trying to go around a screen, and then Chris Paul (laughs) bounces to the right and then falls over Patrick Beverly and then bounces off of his shoe to make it that much worse. In real time, I'm not going to lie to you, in real time, I was like, wow, ooh, 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 that, that, that looked painful. And then you see in the slow-mo replay, it's as if he was trying to get a shot up on the opposite side. Nowhere near a normal shooting motion. <laughs> like, like they, they, this was the weirdest flop that I've seen. That one with LeBron... Setting the uh, trying to take a charge on Juan Toscano Anderson, he essentially jumped in front of him. Looked like he got shot, <laughs> hit by a bullet, and, and managed to get the uh, get the call to uh, uh, to get a, to get the charge call. But then they obviously reviewed it after the challenge. Remember that one? <laughs> well, Chris Paul yesterday, what he did after uh, Patrick Beverly. I, I mean, this dude. It's unbelievable. I got a lot of respect for Chris Paul. I think he's just a damn good basketball player, and there's no denying the impact that he can have on a team whenever it comes to uh, the playoffs. There's there's no doubt. Every team that he's gone to has gotten to somewhere within playoff contention. It just so happens that there's teams like the Warriors and the Cavs, which might get the better of them, although... It's mostly the Warriors that we're talking about because the majority of it has been the time in the Western Conference, starting out with the Clippers in the early part of the decade. But that flop yesterday was just unbelievable. And then Patrick Beverly mocking him afterward. Now, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson were saying on the broadcast they don't really like how, how he's mocking him, how he's, you know, not knowing whether he's hurt or not, whether he's you know, in pain, whatever it is. But Patrick Beverly can tell. Patrick Beverly also flops too. <laughs> he plays this game, although he more does it on the defensive end. He can't really sell it on offense like Chris Paul can. But Patrick Beverly knows what he's doing too. And the videos that pop up every time whenever Patrick Beverly and Chris Paul are both involved in it, they'll go back to stuff that Patrick Beverly did. They'll post past videos. It's great. 
It's great. And that, quite frankly, as my voice cracks again, was the most entertaining part of the night. Although, Paul George went off. Paul George went off. That's it. 41 points, 13 rebounds. He had six assists. Now, granted, he did have eight tur- or, uh, six turnovers, but he went eight for eight from the three-throw line, three for six from three. He was on fire yesterday, and there was nothing that the Suns could do to stop him. They And, and quite frankly, uh, how could they at that time? You know, DeAndre Ayton wasn't doing much, wasn't giving them much uh, in the paint and they were with DeMarcus Cousins, and DeMarcus Cousins, he got his yesterday. I thought him coming off the bench, he was pretty impactful whenever he was coming in for Terrence Mann. Overall, he was 7 for 12 with 15 points uh, on 11 minutes on the floor. But when he was off the floor, and you didn't necessarily have that traditional big man there because Avika Zubats wasn't in the game, Paul George decided to take over, and he ended up going off. Every type of point that you could possibly think of, whether it's going in for a dunk, a side step three, a step back, a mid-range, whatever type of shot that you can think of, Paul George was hitting those shots. And I've always liked Paul George. You know, I, I, I've always been a fan of these two-way players who can do it on both ends of the floor. It's just a question of the effort that they put in. Now, when he started nicknaming himself Playoff P, then getting bounced out, eh, that didn't really sit too well. And then Pandemic P, during the pandemic, we all know what happened with the Clippers there last year in the bubble. Didn't really work out too well for them there either. And then Ty Lu, after the game, had this to say when he was asked about Paul George. That's who he is, and PD's been great for us all year. And, you know, I just don't understand why it's, you know, magnified so much when he when he doesn't play well, when he has a bad game, because a lot of people play bad. You know, like I say, I'm just happy he came back, you know, played a great game, and uh, we needed every bit of it. Because no one has nicknames for themselves. <laughs> No one has nicknames for themselves and then go out and have bad games. If they talk the talk, then they back it up. And that's not really something Paul George has been doing too much of as of late. Now, granted, it feels like he's been more quiet on that front this year. Not giving himself any nicknames, really keeping his head down, knowing that with Kawhi Leonard out and, you know, they're going to continue to announce that Kawhi Leonard's out for the next game and out for the next game. He's not going to be back for this series. But... Paul George has been a big reason as to why they're in the position that they're in, actually being in a 3-2 spot without Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, Reggie Jackson's also been a big part of that. He had 23 points. And then Marcus Morris. I mean, what what did he start off yesterday? Didn't he start off the game like 7-for-7 seven seven or something like that? Marcus Morris always getting those random shots off and managing to, make them, uh, to knock down buckets. But Paul George, going back to... The superstars and when they started to dictate where they were going. This is the primary reason why I think he gets criticism uh, 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 throughout the sports world. (laughs) This is why I think so. Because started off in Indiana, and we know about those teams with Roy Hibbard and Danny Granger. Paul George was the young, what, 23, 24-year-old making all-NBA teams maybe expecting to get them to the promised land. Didn't really do it there. Then he goes to OKC and signs that massive deal, that four-year deal worth $136 million, and he decides to leave after a couple of years. Just decides to leave. Now, when it comes to those types of players, to me, whether you got Kevin Durant or LeBron James... After watching Kevin Durant during this net series and watching what he did with the Warriors, it's pretty interesting because we all judged it when he first came to the Warriors. We all judged that, you know, he's joining a super team. He doesn't feel like he can get a championship wherever he goes. Or he feels like he can get a championship wherever he goes. He just needs superstars around him, blah, blah, blah. But when you went when he went to the Nets and he came back and he started playing, you kind of realize, oh, Yeah, he is that type of player where he can make that difference to where they will be going on a playoff run at least. 
possibly the NBA Finals. Now, granted, we had Kyrie and uh, James Harden go down. James Harden was never really 100% throughout the rest of the series, uh, along with the Bucks, so they couldn't get it done in that Game 7, and it all came down to a final shot where his foot was on the line. But Kevin Durant is that guy, and it made you realize, like, hey, this dude... The reason that he can do this is because he is that good. And Paul George seemed to put himself in a class along with these other guys and didn't perform. It's just, yeah, I can move wherever I want. I'm going to go to the Clippers. I'm going to join Kawhi Leonard, and we're going to create a team, and we're going to win a championship. And then they got cocky. And then they got cocky. They became a really good regular season team. You know, the, 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 the underdog. You know, the, the underdog to win the finals, to make it to the Western Conference. I think the Clippers can actually do it this year. And then it ends up being because Paul George showed a lack of effort on the court, couldn't perform in the big moments. That's why the criticism has come his way. Now, he has had a look, I'm not trying to take away at all from what he's done in these. Uh, I'm not trying to take away from what he's done in the playoffs so far this year. I think he has been fantastic. He has, you know, done everything um, that he's needed to do in order to get to this point. And being without, um, and being without Kawhi Leonard, that's tough. That's tough in order to try to make it to where they're at right now. And in these Western Conference Finals, he's averaging about 33 points a game. He's been playing very well, but I just think the criticism there has been warranted. It has. It's just, you know, I don't know where the criticism comes from. Well, the criticism comes from right there. And then DeMarcus uh, Cousins calls out everyone, says we're all trolling with this BS, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just saying, look, I understand it. He's on your team. He's a part of your team. But there is a reason for it. There is a reason for it. Now, look, they did force a game six. I still think the Suns are going to win this series, even though um, you know the, the the Clippers beat them pretty handily, one sixteen to one hundred two. But I mean, look, there, there's a reason why why there's been criticism towards Paul George. Just to act like eh, I don't I don't really know why it's happening. I mean, come on, you you understand why it's happening, you know. From the 415, Langford with the most famous voice crack heard around the base. It's Peter Brady. Oh, man. I love that. I love that. So, let's actually get to some Warriors basketball. As I continue to await this umpire scorecard, I don't think it's going to be released. I was trying to uh, wait till this umpire scorecard Twitter released the data from yesterday's game against the Giants. I've been waiting for that, but it hasn't uh, seemed to have popped up. So it probably won't by the time this show is over. And that makes me incredibly sad because I thought it was going to be kind of cool. But John Hollinger, John Hollinger, he's a writer for The Athletic, you know, former GM. And I actually really like his stuff. I, I really do. And he wrote in his most recent draft notes column for The Athletic that there is widespread expectation around the NBA that the Warriors will shop young center James Wiseman and the number 7 overall pick to upgrade their roster and bring back who? Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors is the name to keep an eye on. Now, for me... When I first read this and, you know, I, I, I first saw everything surrounding it, I like Pascal Siakam. I do. And the most recent contract that he signed, he signed the max deal uh, with the Raptors back in 20, uh, back last season or earlier this year. He signed a four-year deal. He's worth $30 million this year, $33 million the next year, $35 million the year after that, then $37 million the year after that. And... I think that he would fit real well with this team. I do. I, I think that he has got the. Uh, I, I think that he's got the type of attitude that the Warriors want. He seems to be pretty tired of it over there in Toronto. Remember that earlier this year, where we thought Siakam might actually even get traded at some point. But overall, I just do not know 
what the hell's going to happen with them adding a free agent when we had Joe Lacob go on the TK podcast, the TK show, Tim Kawakami's podcast, and say this when it comes to trading James Wiseman? Very unlikely. I mean, I just it would take a lot to make me and Bob think about doing anything like that. I mean, I, these guys, people who talk like that, just they're not. They don't understand the cap. They don't understand the economics of the NBA. I mean, we need young players under good contracts to intersperse with what is already the highest payroll in the history of the NBA. We have guys that have stayed with our team because we're loyal and they're loyal for so long, and they keep getting 8% increases and they've performed and they have big salaries. We have four, three max contracts, four arguably. I mean, you just can't keep adding the luxury tax, the repeater. It's not possible. It's just not possible. So if we're going to go this route of, you know, continue to run with those guys, which we are, we have to intersperse some young talent and sort of try to bridge a gap between you know, now and the future. Would you do it? 888-957-9570. Would you do it? Now, the 707 here is making a good point. How do they afford that without getting rid of a big contract? You'd have to assume that Wiggins would probably be thrown in there since he gets paid a little more than, uh, than Draymond Green, per se. But in the end, with the amount that they are worth, the 7th and 14th, as well as Andrew Wiggins, Pascal Siakam would be even more expensive <laughs> going forward with that. You'd have to do a lot in order to uh, to match that contract. And then Joe Lacob, he continued, and I'm going to continue to go back to this, but his, here he is on the TK show talking about getting a veteran with a big contract. Would you want two rookies to throw in this mix, or would you strongly look at, hey, if you get two picks, you might want to trade at least one of them to get a veteran? That's your way to get a pretty good veteran to add that and Bob has been pretty clear that you want to add that. I know that's what the media is saying. I don't <laughs> think that happens. And I'm sorry, it's just not possible to do. You can't acquire a veteran with a big contract. The numbers are impossible. No team, no matter how we're we're good at you know, a good economic situation, uh, if we get out of COVID, which we looks like we are, but it's just not possible to do. We already have the by far and away the largest payroll in the history of the league. It's not a question of not wanting to do it. It's just busy. It's just not possible. So getting a veteran with a big contract, that's not happening. You know, stop thinking that. Stop analyzing it. Stop saying it because it's just not happening. And I equated that last week to like a parent at Disneyland, or maybe it was two weeks ago, but a parent at Disneyland who is, who, you know, has their kids. They come along. They pay for the tickets. They pay for the hotel. They pay for everything, pay for gas to get all the way down there. And then the kids ask in the park, hey, can I get that extra Mickey Mouse lollipop that costs $12? It's really cool. It's all swirly and has a rainbow color on it. And the parents are like, dude, we got a cap. <laughs> we, we, we have a salary cap here. I've spent so much money already. This is the third day that we're in this park. This is the last day that we're here. I've bought you a ton of stuff. I'm not buying you anymore. I, I've already, I've, I've, I've gone over my limit. I'm not paying anything else for you. You want a turkey leg? Sorry, not going to give it to you. That's how I equated it when Joe Lacob had that to say. And then Bobby Marks. This is the last one I want to play for you. Bobby Bobby Marks, ESPN, NBA front office insider, salary cap expert. If you want to learn anything about the salary cap, Bobby Marks is your guy. But... He detailed last week on the Morning Roast just how far the Warriors are into that luxury tax. These are some actual numbers that are thrown in here. Basically, this will be the fourth time in five years that they are going to be a luxury tax team. So basically, the, the, the penalty is double as far as what is going to it's going to cost them. So if you're paying sixty million in luxury tax, you know it might be one hundred twenty million now. So to bring back Kelly Oubre, it might cost you $70 million on a $15 million contract. So you're paying wow. one, a guy, eighty, basically it's an $85 million player. So you're paying damn near twice as much because you're that much into the luxury tax. And, and look, granted, now here, here's my answer, though. I will say this as far as just adding Pascal Siakam. He's played in a majority of the games that he's been in in the past three seasons. He was an all-star last year. He's 27 years old. His upside is there. But if Wiggins is going to be that piece that's thrown in, the way that he was playing last season, 
and the you know the fact that he's uh, a small forward brings the type of uh, brings a fit that is needed. I don't know if Wiggins is going to be that guy, which is crazy for me to say. Because last year, before the season started, if you would have thrown out this sort of trade proposal, you probably wouldn't have been like, yeah, of course. Of course. Trade Wiggins, yeah. But if they managed to even get the money sorted out correctly, I don't know if Wiggins would be that guy. If there's one star that I want to throw out there, it'd probably be Draymond Green. Because he's going on the shop and saying that he's willing to pass up on looks just because he has Steph Curry on the floor, in which he does have a point, but also you need to have that guy who's also willing to be aggressive and score the basketball. And Pascal Siakam, he can play anywhere from the from the three through five. He can play uh, small forward, power forward, center, whatever it is. I think he'd be a good fit on this team. And I don't know if the Raptors want to get Draymond Green in return. So that they can be in a full-on rebuild, because if they if they get rid of uh, if they get rid of Siakam, that's just at the point now where you're just like, okay, I'm not going to keep this guy around that we've been hoping to build the team around. We got the championship, and now we need to be in a full rebuild. Sure, we can get Wiseman with the seven and the fourteen, but who else could we get in that deal? And before we do the Kelly Oubre sign and trade thing, that money just wouldn't work out because Kelly Oubre is not going to be as expensive as those other guys. Draymond is making damn near thirty million dollars these next couple of years. He's making about twenty-seven, whereas Andrew Wiggins is going to be making thirty-one, thirty-three million. So Andrew Wiggins would be that name that's thrown out there. But it's hard to imagine that they do that without getting well into the luxury tax and essentially doubling their price and continuing to go into the luxury tax. I just don't see it happening, but it was fun. I did enjoy uh, all the outcome of it because anytime something like this is thrown out there in a random note, uh, everyone goes crazy with it. All right. Coming up next, the morning roast with Bonte Hill, Kate Scott, and our very own Nick Friedel, even though he's a part of ESPN. They got Mark Spears coming up at 7.20. They got Jerry Hairston coming up at 8.50. Thanks so much for joining me, everyone. Couldn't believe I could get that umpire, or I couldn't get that umpire score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.